Welcome to the KT Literary Podcast, and Happy Halloween! I'm Renee Nyan, coming to you from a house full of kids dressed like characters from Into the Spider-Verse. We believe in costumes any day of the year, but Halloween is a particular favorite for us. It's also a favorite of this week's guest. Kim Harrington is the author of multiple books for young adult and middle grade readers, including Clarity, Perception, The Dead and Buried, as well as The Sleuther Dare and The Gamer Squad series. Kim and I chatted via Skype, which is why the audio quality is slightly different than you may be used to on this show, but I can tell you she is absolutely worth the listen, especially when she talks about the origin of her newest release, Revenge of the Red Club. It was so much fun to chat with her and talk about belief in the paranormal, writing for teens, and humanity's existential need to feel fear. Yeah, softball questions, I know. Enjoy! Today I have with me Kim Harrington, author of the brand new book, The Red Club, and also many other mysteries and ghost stories for teens and middle graders. Uh, Welcome, Kim. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. What you guys don't know is that this is Kim's second time joining me. (laughs) We had massive technical snafus the first time and she is so kind and generous and told me that she would put up with me all over again. So truly, truly thank you. (laughs) Well, most of the technological problems were because I didn't own any Apple products. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, it's an Apple world. We just live in. (laughs) Um, so talk to me about like, it's spooky season, it's Halloween, Mm -hmm. like, what are some of your favorite Halloween slash fall traditions? I love Halloween. It's my second favorite holiday. And I consider it a month long thing. You know, I love it all. What's your first favorite holiday? Christmas. Oh, okay. Oh, as of tomorrow, I will be (laughs) in Christmas mode. Like, as soon as (laughs) November 1st comes... Halloween's over and it's time to listen to Christmas music, watch Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm like all in. So I'm one of those early people. But yeah, (laughs) Halloween, like it's the whole month for me. It's spooky movies. I love reading like, you know, gothic thrillers and stuff during this time of year. And other than decorating the house and the usual stuff, um, we do have some traditions. We have a maze um, kind of nearby us that uh, every year has a great theme and it's an enormous maze it takes about two hours to complete it has zip lines slides the whole nine yards so that's usually a lot of fun we haven't done it yet this year because of weather and other stuff going on but that's one of my favorite traditions oh my goodness I love that there's nothing more fall in America than a corn maze like really it's the most American thing yes (laughs) I love that um so Are you a believer in the supernatural? I'm not, which is funny because I love supernatural books and movies. (laughs) It's my favorite genre to read and watch, but I'm not a believer. And maybe that's why I enjoy it so much, because I guess it can't truly scare me if I don't believe, though there Mm. are, I have been scared though. Um, (laughs) I, I think I, I may have told you this story before, but, um, Uh, Many years ago, a friend of mine asked me to go see a presentation at a local college by Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are very famous paranormal investigators who um, became famous in the 70s for their work on the Amityville House, 
they owned Annabelle, the doll from the movie, and The Conjuring <laughs> was based on them, all of that. So <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, I'll go with you to this presentation. Like, even though I don't believe in this stuff, it'll be, like, so cool, you know, interesting. And so we watched it, and um, they showed home movies. Oh, uh, my gosh. Some photographs from inside the Amityville house, like, <gasps> all of this stuff that was legitimately terrifying. But I'm like, this is fine. I don't believe. So I drove <laughs> home afterwards. My husband was away that weekend and I walked up to the house, unlocked the front door. I hadn't remembered to put any lights on. And so it was just like this complete dark house. And I just said, no. And I got back in the car and I drove an hour to my parents' house and slept on their couch. And so I say I don't believe in the supernatural, yet it still has the ability to scare me. So that, that's an interesting dichotomy, but well, yeah, I do love it. That's horrifying. It feels like they're like, the godparents of yes. every horrifying thing that has happened in America yes. in the yes. last 50 years. Right. <laughs> <That's> terrifying. <laughs> I am such a weenie. On a KT Literary Retreat a couple of years ago, we were in Charleston, South Carolina, mm -hmm. and a few of our clients and and Kate they wanted to go to this famous prison and it was like the first prison in South Carolina I'm gonna mess it up it is a very famous super old prison that is hella haunted <laughs> I am a total weenie because as much as I want to say I don't believe I think I really do <laughs> and I we went through the whole thing he was talking about you know, and it's dark, like it's nighttime. They take you through at the most horrifying time. <laughs> and he's talking about all of these grisly ways that people died. And he's talking about his own relationships with the spirits. It was genuinely the most horrifying thing. <laughs> it brings you into like where they, I don't remember, something dark and horrific happened to these prisoners in this one place and he shuts off all the lights and it oh. was dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face oh and no i swear to you kate testerman probably had bruises <laughs> on her arm from how tightly i was clasping her arm I, and it, seriously it took me about three months to not think about it every single night when i turned off my light oh that three is months. That must have been very scary. Wow. It was horrifying. <laughs> now so, I kind of want to go there. <laughs> oh my God. It was terrifying. And it, I, I don't I don't have anything else to compare it to. Like I would right. say it's a super great scare, but I'm also a total weenie. <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing then you have had no supernatural encounters, no ghostly apparitions, no weird Not things personally no okay. but um one of the common ones that i've heard from like various friends and stuff that if i were to believe this would probably be the thing to put me over the edge um not creepy in any way but like um I've had many friends tell me that when they lost someone that was close to them, they uh, pretty soon after appeared to them in a dream and it's like a dream that doesn't feel like a dream or you know um and it just seems so common, you know? So either it's a psychological thing where, you know, people are trying to ease their grief or whatever, or it's a real thing, you know? But um, I've had several friends who this has happened to. And even though I personally have never had a ghostly experience, you know, that's one that I think might be the closest to being real, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, whether you believe or not, if you're close to that person and your spirit, right 
And your heart is missing them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, um, real small question, um, real tiny. What do you think it is that horror tells us about ourselves as humans and like as these frail creatures? Why do we like to be scared? (laughs) (laughs) Um, my theory is I think, uh, people are drawn to horror because it's a safe way to experiment with fear. You know, so like when you go to one of those haunted houses and the people jump out at you and stuff, you know, you're feeling the physical truth of fear, your adrenaline, you yeah. know, you're screaming, your heart's pumping, like all these things are happening, but you're crying, your mind, you're right. You know, you're bruising your coworkers arm, <laughs> but in the back of your mind, you know, you're safe, you know? Yeah. So it's like a safe way to experiment with that rush of feeling. Um, while knowing you're still okay. Like that book you're reading that is terrifying you is not going to harm you, but you still get the sort of adrenaline feeling. So kind of like going on a roller coaster in a way. Like why do people love going on roller coasters? I think it's just, it's that adrenaline rush. So is that what draws you to writing those kind of fantastical horror tinged elements? Yeah, I think I write what I like to read. So, yeah. So I think that's where that comes from. What are some of your favorite, like, spooky stories, books, Um, movies? Oh, my gosh. There's so many. So um, (laughs) Shirley Jackson, Haunting of Hill House, definitely one of my favorites, a classic. Um, Though I haven't read it in so long, Richard Matheson's Hell House. I remember when I first read that, I was probably a teenager, and I was like, whoa, this book. Loved that. (laughs) And um, Stephen King's Bag of Bones. What I really loved about that book was that he has such a great way of turning like the day to day ordinary mundane things into super creepy, terrifying things like in Bag of Bones. um, His uh, this lake house that he's in is being haunted by the ghost of his uh, his wife and she is leaving him messages through, you know, those letter magnets on the fridge. She spells out, she spells out messages with the letter <gasps> magnets. And then when I first read that book, I'm like, man, that's such a good idea because it's such an ordinary thing that tons of people have in their house. Yeah. And it's, and, and you can take this ordinary thing and make it so frightening. And that's what I think he's really good at. But Absolutely. yeah, so those I would say are my top three. Oh, those are great. So I need to ask then just the follow-up question of like, how do you feel about the haunting of Hill House remake or the the netflix show i really enjoyed it even though it had nothing to do with the book <laughs> like very was, different yeah it was nothing like the book but i actually <laughs> i loved it and i really enjoyed it so um yeah. except for i think i'm still having heart palpitations from the car scene in episode eight um oh, <laughs> i let out a scream like <laughs> no one has ever heard when that happened but um but yeah, I loved, yeah, I loved it. You know, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like, you know, the film or the TV has to be completely, you know, honest to the book because in a lot of ways you want it to be a little bit different so you can be surprised, you know? So. Yeah. And the, yeah. the mode of storytelling is so different. The visual yeah. versus the book, the interior advantage that you have with a book. It's, it's so very different. So yes. yeah. Hard to capture on film. (laughs) So what's the difference then since you write YA and middle grade? Mm -hmm. What's the tonal difference that you have to strike um, for younger, you know, 
adolescents and mm-hmm. then older teens. So um, there's the obvious content wise, you know, I can't sure. have a serial killer working his way through a middle grade manuscript, but um, <laughs> tone wise, <laughs> I actually like to include a little bit more humor in my middle grades. And I think that's mm-hmm. a great way to balance out the spooky scenes and bring the reader back down after they've had a tense moment. Um, so you're not keeping them up at that high level the whole time. Um, so I like to to mix a little bit more humor in there. Oh, that's great. Funny middle grade is, is the yeah. best. Yeah. And middle grade readers just typically have the greatest sense of humor. They do. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there anything specific on the other side of that that you typically do to bump up tension? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking like in the supernatural way, um, mm-hmm. if you're, if it's just kind of flat as you're writing it or as you're going back through and doing edits is there do you have like a fallback I always make sure a body shows up at this point of time or (laughs) or whatever it is um well I'm a big believer in cliffhanger chapter endings to Mm. keep the reader you know hooked get them to keep going but also this is an interesting question because um I was reading an article I don't know if it was in a craft book or if it was on a blog whatever but it was talking about um, how to ramp up the tension in a in a scene. And I went back to one of my books and found out that I had already been doing this without realizing it. Oh, but basically awesome. what the author recommended is that as the tension rams, ramps up, um, the sentences might get like shorter and punchier um, so that the reader is reading them faster and faster and faster, just like the tension is ramping up. And then as the mm-hmm. tension loosens, you can weave in some of the longer, more descriptive sentences to bring the reader back down. It's like all about the pace. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. And I like opened one of my old books and I'm like, oh, I already do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which I'm, I'm really smart, <laughs> which I probably learned from just reading so many other books. You know, I mean, there's so uh. much that you just absorb from years and years of reading that you put into your own writing without even realizing why you're doing it. But yeah, that works perfectly. That is such great advice. Um, So let's talk about your brand new release, Revenge of the Red Club, which I saw you write something on Instagram for it. And you said, it's my period uterus, not time period mystery (laughs) or something like that. And it made me laugh so hard because it's true. You think a period mystery, you think historical. historical. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's a uterus mystery. (laughs) For those who have not had the privilege of reading this book, give me like the elevator pitch and tell me a little bit about where you came up with the idea for it. So the elevator pitch is that it's about um, a group of uh, students at their middle school who have a period support group called the Red Club. And when um, someone has complained to administration about it, the club gets shut down. And at first, the students um, sort of lash out um, with pranks and stuff, which were so fun to write. Um, And after that, they realized, you know, the best way to get their club back is to figure out um, who was against it and why. And that's the mystery part. Um, And my main character, Riley, is um, a journalist for the school newspaper, and she uses her journalism skills to try to get to the bottom of things. And she was so fun to write. And um, it's interesting. I started writing this book. I came up with the idea in late November 2016. So that's probably all I need to say about that. But 
<laughs> yep, we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, I, I read a ton of middle grade and I had been thinking about how, you know, rarely periods are mentioned in middle grade literature. And it has always bothered me how stigmatized periods are and how people with periods are sometimes shamed for it. You know, um, case in point, when a presidential candidate didn't like a question during a debate and said the female reporter had blood coming out of her wherever. You know, like, where does that come from? You know, where does that start? And so I needed to channel my feelings somewhere. So I channeled them into work. And I also wanted to try to do my part to, like, lift the stigma and create change. And I think change always starts with the youth. Um, So Revenge of the Red Club was born. I love that. (laughs) That is so cool. Are you are you getting a lot of feedback from your readers about it? Like, are are young people reading this and, and kind of taking it? Because uh, for me personally, I never had any books mention periods when I was growing up. Yeah, and, I you mean, know, this has got to be, um, and maybe it's not revo- so revolutionary to them. Maybe it is just right. to our generation. But I mean, we had you know Judy Bloom. Um, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. But other than yeah. that, I never saw periods mentioned. Yeah. Book. And I think it is starting to become more common, which is great. Mm. The more books, the better. Um, but the book's only been out for a few days. So I haven't really heard from many uh, middle grade readers yet. But I have heard from, you know, reviewers, librarians, very positive stuff. They're like super excited. And even though like a lot of women my own age are still uncomfortable with it, they don't want the younger generation to be uncomfortable. So like, I think that's really encouraging. And, you know, what I really just want readers to get from the story is that don't buy into the stigma to feel ashamed over something that your body is doing that's normal and that it's okay to talk about these things and find humor in it. Like there's so much humor in this book. And so I hope the book makes them laugh. I hope it makes them feel some feels. And even though I started the book from a place of anger, I finished it from a place of hope. And so I hope that when they're done with the book, they feel that they feel hope. That's so beautiful. I love that. So yes, everyone go run out and grab this book because it is just fantastic. And Kim's middle grade writing is so truly so fun and so funny and so accessible. Thank you. Well, since one of the core principles of KT Literary is our boundless optimism, what's something that's making you happy this week? And you can't say your book release. Of course that's <laughs> oh, making no. you happy. I can't say my book release. <laughs> All right. Um, this I, is going to be kind of an unusual answer because it's kind of an unusual time in my life. And I'm going to try to say it without crying. Um, it's actually been a pretty rough um week. In addition to my book releasing, um, my dad has stage four cancer and he's been in the hospital for a couple weeks. And so a couple days after my book released, he, we moved him from the hospital to home and he's getting hospice care at home right now, which is where he wants to be. And so you'd think it's impossible, you know, going through something like this for me to find any sense of optimism, you know, but, um, at the same time that this is going on, my son is a senior in high school and his deadline for college applications is tomorrow. So that's also been happening all at the same time. And so he and I have been having lots of great conversations about the future and what's ahead for him and college and all that. And like that is helping to balance things out because it reminds me that even though one huge part of my life is ending, like it does go on, life goes on, whether you're ready for it or not. And Mm. just thinking about his future and like all the paths open to him and that's what's giving me optimism right now. And that's, he is what is making me happy this week. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I will be 
thinking of you and your family in the coming days and weeks. Um, and your son, best of luck to him in college. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. amazing. He's a good one. <laughs> well, thank you so very much for joining me. And Thanks for having me. Yeah, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kim Harrington as much as I did. You can follow her on social media at Kim Harrington Author on Instagram, or you can find her on her website at KimHarringtonBooks.com. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at KT Literary. Please do remember to subscribe to this show and write us a review on the podcast listening platform of your choice. We would be eternally grateful. Now, if you don't mind, I have to sign off so I can train my two-year-old to reach for the Snickers instead of the handfuls of bubblegum that his siblings have been plaguing me with for years. So until next time, we'll see you on the acknowledgments page.